Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special holiday episode of On Location. Um, it's December, and, you know, it's about 60 degrees here in Burbank, California, on Blondie Street at the Warner Brothers Ranch, which is just up the street from the main Warner Brothers studio lot. About 30 years ago, a uh, film was shot here at the ranch that, though it was filmed, I think, during the summer, right? It successfully made it look like it was going through the frigid temperatures of Chicago, and I'm talking of course, about the holiday classic National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, Just a little bit about the ranch itself. It dates back to the 1930s, and it was the Columbia Ranch, Columbia and Warner Brothers. They they combined forces in the early 70s, uh, but by the late 80s, early 90s, Columbia moved over to what was MGM in Culver City, and everything, the ranch, the main studio lot, just became uh, Warner Brothers. Um, And the ranch at one point boasted a western town, had a tenement street and various other sets, but some fires over the years, as has happened in other studios, some fires between the 40s and the 70s destroyed some of the sets, and they just weren't rebuilt. You know, the the main lot had a lot of those those sets. Now Blondie Street, which is, you know, suburban street, a middle-class houses, is one of the surviving sets that dates back to the original ranch. And over the years, it's been featured in dozens of TV shows like the Donna Reed Show, Bewitched, The Partridge Family, Dennis the Menace, The Monkees. Today, it's one of the main locations from ABC's show, The Middle. Uh, it's also been featured, of course, in loads of feature films like Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Bye Bye Birdie, American Beauty, Pleasantville, Lethal Weapon. I'm looking at Danny Glover's house from Lethal Weapon. And that's sort of what it's referred to now, the Lethal Weapon House. But perhaps the most well-known house on the street is that of Clark Griswold and his family from Christmas Vacation. And today I'm thrilled to be joined in the driveway of the Griswold House by the film's director, Jeremiah Chechik. Welcome. Thank you well, for coming. It's good to be here. It's <laughs> odd to be here. <laughs> well, I'm glad we can make this work. Cause Without a we were, we were We were, we were uh, talking for a while to try to make this work. And I know you've been busy. I know the lot's been booked up a little bit. What have you, what have you been doing? I mean, I know you do... A lot of television. Yes. Uh, I've just finished working on a show called The Gifted, Marvel's Oh, the cool. Gifted. That's the, the sort of X-Men yeah, show? That's cool. In the X-Men universe. X-Men universe. Okay. That's cool. And you've done, I mean, you've done a lot of television. I, I mean, do you prefer a medium over the other? Is there one that uh, speaks dire- to you more? I mean, for me, directing is directing. Uh-huh. Uh, television has its advantages in that uh, you don't get to spend... Endless hours waiting for setups in your trailer. Uh, you're just on your feet all day. The pace is spectacular. I think actors like it, directors like it. On the other hand, uh, there's never enough time to do anything. Right. So, um, you know, it's a double-edged sword, but, uh, you know, it's all about finding the moments within scenes that create a tonal truth sure. in whatever genre you're working in. Well, you got out of your car and you kind of looked at the Griswold house and, I mean, it seemed like it, it took you, you know, t- 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 it almost took your breath away in a way, in, in a way. I mean, when was the last time you, you were here? I probably haven't been here since I made the movie. Oh, my gosh. So you never shot, you haven't shot anything here after? I've shot a lot on Warner's Lot. but On, the, on, on the main lot? Yeah, yeah. But nothing um, here. Wow. What yeah. were, I don't know, what were your feelings when you got out of your car and you looked at it? Were there any memories that just kind of like came back to you or? It's so springy. <laughs> it looks so green. 
but it probably <laughs> when we when we uh, you know when we worked here, everything that you can see from this driveway was snowed with fake snow, marble dust, marble dust, snow blankets, uh, feathers, you name it. Right, but it was winter. Oh yeah, it was winter. Well, and, and so the you know my my view of it is somewhat changed, but the house looks pretty much exactly as it did when uh, we called rap. Did you see it? I mean, were you here scouting it though before? No, we decided- rebuilt this house. You rebuilt it. Yeah, this design of this house. Uh, I forget specifically uh, what house was here, but we tore it down and and rebuilt it. Really, and this is the same house though. I mean, this is. I think there was a little bit of a different awning over the the, the, the doorway, but the windows are the same. I think yeah. Yeah, this is the house. Yeah. Um, but I mean, when you were here first before that, you obviously saw it. Kind of. This isn't the first time you've seen it all. No, no, no. Right? I mean, you scout. I mean, you. Yeah, you, obviously, we. You know, and and uh, you know, uh, this is a you know great place to shoot. Well, why so? How so? Is it is it a great a location? Because it's, because it's on a lot. It's relatively quiet. Plains, notwithstanding, yeah. <laughs> uh, though more right. now than were you know thirty years ago, um, and it's just very controllable. Yeah, that's and why. One of the things. Uh, I was noticing when, and I've been here a few times doing some projects, and the one thing I've noticed is when you're on a studio, when, when, when something is shot on a studio back lot, sometimes it's, you can tell it's, uh, you know, you can tell it's a back lot. I mean, more, maybe more so the urban type of, type of things, but probably until I started studying filming locations, I always thought this was a real place. I mean, for sure. And even being here now, it feels like a real place. This doesn't feel like a like a back lot street. Well, within ten minutes, you know, we could take a little drive around Burbank, and come to a street not very different than this. Yeah, that looks exactly like this. What do you think is different about this street, though? That maybe doesn't make it feel like that. It doesn't feel like a back lot. It feels more natural. Is there something about it in particular? I would say the opposite. There are no cars oh. or people. So well, there's it's no more car- twilight well, okay. zone here. That's true. There are no cars and people. But I don't know. The houses themselves, for me, they feel. The, 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 if there, if I saw some furniture in the windows, I would think that this could be a real place. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no real giveaways. There's yeah. cracks in the sidewalks, yeah. and everything is maintained. And you know, the 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 landscaping looks very similar to uh, a kind of. Landscaping that people pay somewhat attention yeah, to. Right. Well, I think they do. You're right. They do try to keep it. They do keep it up here. Yeah. I've been here and they've been manicuring the lawn at, uh, at certain times. Um, so this was, I mean, this was your first feature film. So you never shot anything here before that. You never. No, it was my first film, first film and my first experience shooting on a lot. And um, which was very, very much what I wanted to do for this movie. Because it could have shot it on location as well. Um you know, the the difference for me at that moment was making a Hollywood movie, making a Christmas movie. Let's shoot, you know, on a lot and make it as Hollywood an experience that uh, one could hope for. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, you really pushed to do the lot. I mean, it, I do. I didn't have any pushback, as I yeah. recall. You never really thought about doing a real location? Was that ever brought up at, at any point during the pre-production process? Not that I remember, but it's very, very possible. But, but um, 
just the tone and control yeah. of the of, of the kind of movie that I wanted to make at that point um, really uh, pushed me to have as much uh, visual control as possible. Remember, I came from commercials where I was very much a visual director at that time, and and I was trying to create a film that had a timeless quality that referenced Courier and Ives and um, that kind of, of Americana, both in terms of color and tone and design and all the rest of it, which we kind of uh, kept going to wardrobe and the rest. But that uh, control versus the randomness that some times you face when you're on a actual location um, didn't really seem appropriate to this movie. Now, often when you're on location, you really want the flavor of the location and the randomness and the, quote, uncontrolled aspect of it. And that inspires you to do certain kinds of work. Sure. This was not that. Do you have a preference of shooting on location or a studio lot? Because I've actually, I've looked at some of your photography and I've noticed that a lot of it is very location-based. You know, it's outdoors. Um, so do you have a, a, a preference? I have a preference and it generally uh, changes based on the amount of time I'm spending in any one environment. <laughs> For example, if, if I'm on a uh, soundstage on a lot for months and months and months, the first thing I want to do for my next gig is get out into the world yeah. and shoot on location. And conversely, uh, when I have to deal with all of the insanity of uh, a location, I often just want the control and, and, and quiet of, yeah. of a lot. So it depends. Most of it really, for me... If I do have the choice, it's really determined by the script, the tone, the story, and the characters. Sure. Are you, was your family, is your family big on on the holidays? Like, did you come from, you know, like... <laughs> I came from a Jewish family in Me Montreal. Too. Me too. Well, well like, not from Montreal, but I'm from a Jewish family too. <laughs> Basically, you know... Even Hanukkah was like, we'll write a couple of candles, that's it, okay, maybe. <laughs> Here's a little toy car, now play. Um, so no. No, okay. Um, though when I had kids, we really ascribed to Christmas. Yeah. And uh, so it has become a ritualized thing. And in fact, we have a Christmas party once a year and have been doing it for like 20 years now. So I say yes and no to both your yeah. <laughs> Were there certain things you drew from in particular to to bring that 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 Christmas feeling to the street? Maybe and, and or maybe did you even though, you know, you you grew up from a Jewish family, you know, did something come from childhood that your friends, you know, you know, from your friends' houses, going to your friends' houses or where did this real like you know, Americana feeling you're talking about come from? Well, Norman Rockwell, yeah. I guess, spoke to me. Sure. <laughs> um, and, you know, as we grow up in this, uh, this cultural environment, Christmas being what it is, um, it can't help but uh, affect, and some people may call it infecting, your sensibility uh, to present a certain 
quality of, in this particular film, determination to make things perfect right. at a certain time of year. I mean, you were talking that you mentioned Norman Rockwell, and certainly I noticed that in a number of the shots in the film. You know, especially the the dinner table is the. I mean, that's 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 Norman Rockwell all over it with him standing up at the end of the the table. What were your ideas about style? How you use the camera um, in the movie? Again, for me at that time, I had been stylistically pushing the limits and commercials of what was possible. When I came to this film, I really did not want the camera to upstage the story and the actors. I just wanted it to be invisible and enabling the um, the drama comedy inside the frame to work. And because there's so much going on yeah. in, in these frames, um, what I'd considered any kind of kinetic, kinetic imposition on the storytelling, I think would have taken away from the audience's um, ease to relate to any of these characters, as crazy as they are. It's it's interesting you mentioned that, where you didn't want to necessarily take it away, because I, I watched a, an interview with you on YouTube where you were talking, I think you were in Montreal, and you were talking to somebody, he asked you what your favorite movie was, and you talked about the Battle of Algiers, and how one of the qualities you liked about it was that it wasn't distracting in that way, that you don't feel like it's directed or that there are, these are actors necessarily, you know? So did, so it, it makes sense. I mean, did you, you tried, did you try to do that here? I mean, I think you just answered it, but I, yeah. it seems like that. Yeah. And that isn't something that I ascribe to religiously as sure. a director. Um, there are times when I've, I, I very much want the camera to be the driving force, whether it's for entertainment or, Again, kinetic value, pace, aesthetic. Um, so it, it really, again, everything grows out of the story you want to tell. What did you like about Christmas Vacation when you saw the script? That's a, a, an odd question <laughs> to answer, but um, at the time, I, I, I was I was being offered a lot of a lot of movies from Warner's. I had established a relationship with them, though I hadn't made anything. And they were sending me quite a lot of uh, material. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, nothing was kind of ringing my bell. Um, in fact, I, I do remember them sending me a script and telling me that Clint Eastwood was going to be in it. And I had read the script wow. and I said, there is no chance in hell that Clint Eastwood is making a movie called Pink Cadillac. I mean, <laughs> that, that is not, not going to happen. Of course, later on, yes. I realized they were just sending me movies they had intended to make. <laughs> One of the scripts was Christmas Vacation. It was written by John Hughes. Yeah. And at that time, I had never done anything close to comedy. Um, I could really say I didn't really know if there was a way to direct comedy. I, that wasn't where I was focusing my, uh, my attention in terms of where I wanted to go. And I read the script, and it was hilarious. I, I was laughing out loud reading <laughs> it, which is 
something. Yeah, sure. And That's... and uh, I put it down, and again, I was, you know, I, I wasn't 100% sure that it was for me. Um, there was, you know, I, I hadn't been a big fan of, of Chevy's movies, though I, you know, I did love Caddyshack. And, oh, yeah. You know, and Fletch. And I, I loved yes. some of those movies a lot, but... I hadn't really seen any of the vacation movies, um, and it was you know the third in a series. Um, but I thought you know no hell I'm I'm just going to explore this and and I had phoned some of my trusted people in the industry and uh, they gave me good advice about kind of this is your first film just go for it and uh, you know I I started to sublimate to Howard Hawks and Preston Sturges and Leo McCrary. And, you know, before you know it, I was like, yeah, I could do this. And, uh, you know, and, you know, I had to basically, uh, you know, Warners wanted me. I I had met with Chevy and we got on great and, and he wanted me and John wanted me. So off I went and before I knew it. We were in prep. Well, I'm glad you went for it, I have to say. And I think there are millions of people who are glad you went for it, uh, for sure. In I mean, retrospect, I'm very yeah, glad Yes, I of went course. For it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, were you a fan of John Hughes movies? Or had very you big it? fan yeah. of John so Hughes. So before, before you, yeah. you were a fan of his? Very, very big fan of John Hughes. Yeah, what did you, what did you respond to with, with his movies? What did you like about them? Well, he, he's able to take, you know, elemental, you know, at that time, you know, coming of age, emotional chaos and, 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 you know, be reductive about it in iconic characters who touched, I think everyone who would watch the movie could find something, someone to identify with and pull, be pulled along for that journey. And, um, also the cleverness of his writing and the cleverness of his, storytelling, you know, sometimes elliptical and sometimes not. Uh, structurally, he was very, very uh, astute and brilliant and um, and also had a just a very uh, intelligent understanding of comedy. It wasn't just about a gag. It wasn't just about a big laugh. Um, it, very much about pulling back the rubber band, making sure that setup is solid and functioning so that the release of the laugh was expected and embraced. But then there was another laugh right. on top of that. And that was the surprise. And he really got that. Was it true? Because I've always read that he was also very quick if there were any rewrites needed. It would just be like, there well, it is, right? I, I could say that he was certainly the fastest typist I've ever seen in my life. I've told people that yeah. once he was rewriting a scene and we were, I was looking over his shoulder while he was doing this, I was looking at the CRT computer screen. Oh, yeah. it, it was scrolling faster <laughs> than I could read it. I mean, it, it, it was amazing how fast he could write. And then, you know, he'd pull out the pages and there they were. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. What do you think, I mean, obviously he was from Chicago, had a very um, close attachment to it. What do you think setting his movies in Chicago, though, do for his stories as opposed to setting them somewhere else? I think, 
you know, again, this is this is my opinion, sure. but Chicago, you know, feels like the especially the suburbs of Chicago that they have a an American universality, as it were, and and so they wouldn't be that different than most urban suburbs. Right. Maybe the only place that couldn't really relate to it is the place where he actually shot the movie, right? Uh, in Los Angeles, very possible, right? But I mean, I mean <laughs> Burbank is in many ways No, that's true. typical. It's true. Know? That is true. I just mean, I guess in terms of the It ain't the, Venice it, where I live. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right. That's true. I was well, I was always amazed when I think the first time I saw Annie Hall you know, and there's the they're driving through Beverly Hills, and it's Christmas time, but there's Christmas decorations. And I'm from the East Coast, so that was very alien to me. I think the first time I saw that. So this was your first. It was your first film, and you're working with, you know, some pretty big, really big talent. How did it work? Was everybody like respectful, you know, with you? I mean, they're all professionals, but you know, they're working with a first-time director. I'm wondering how that worked. Was everybody respectful? <laughs> Hell no. Yeah. Were 99% of them respectful? Yes. Yeah. Okay. John Randolph, E.G. Marshall, Doris, those are, you know, um, actors that I cast. So, I, you know, I went through that process with them and um, was tight with them. Um, Diane, too. I mean, be, just because I, it was my favorite first movie and I was very um unprotected about that I just said you guys circle the wagons tell me I'm a schmuck (laughs) you know what I mean help me out if I need it um I'm presenting my own point of view my vision of it if something isn't working you know just let me know and oddly that really didn't happen you know so with the supporting cast and I include Juliet and, and Johnny Galecki, um, obviously was young, but no, they were all really, really good. Chevy wa- and Randy, uh, I got on really great. Um, Beverly was another story. We really butted heads from the beginning. Um, I, you know, I, I felt that she wasn't happy there doing that movie, hmm. that she saw maybe that she would like to have done more dramatic parts at that point. And, uh, you know, we had a very contentious relationship over the course of making it. Funny thing, though, afterwards, when we had run into each other and we had done a 25th or 20th anniversary thing, we got on like a house on fire. It was so fun. Right, you guys and did the, the DVD commentary, yeah, right? Yeah, and I had so much fun with Beverly. So, you know, for that <laughs> moment in time... Uh, it was contentious, but again, I embraced it because it was my first movie. And I thought, well, this is the way movies are made and have been made. You know, you, you can't expect everyone to be, you know, in a Woodstock Nation right. point of view here. It just is what it's going to be, and you have to be able to deal with it, come what may. You know, aside from Home Alone, just about all of... John's movies that weren't directed by him, produced, written, but not directed by him, were shot, you know, in L.A. or other places. But his movies are, are all Chicago. I mean, and I know it's, again, trying to 
see about getting in the head of someone who's who's not with us. But do you think there's a reason for that? Why it was okay for the other movies to kind of be doubled somewhere else? I'm just going to say that this is going to sound trite, but I I, I believe that the fundamentals of that decision was so he can sleep in his own bed and be yeah. with his family. I, I think given the choice of, of, of for any director, if you're going to shoot on a soundstage and you're going to shoot on a, on a lot um, and the sense of place is not fundamental to the story, a sense of character uh, in the story, then you want to be home. Why would you be living in a hotel room doing it? Now, when you're on location, because the location is part of the story, then you, that's great. You yeah. want to be on location. But if you don't have to, you'd rather be home, I'd say. And I understand that he kind of left it to you, right? He, he didn't he really he, come. He wasn't on the set, really. No. Is that right? No, I think he was on the set for uh, one day, day two or three. That's it. Did he ever have any input about how this should look or did was that just you know was it all up to you and and your production designer no, and everything? he trusted I mean, me yeah. and you know i would i would tell him what i'm doing yeah obviously he agreed because he was never like oh i don't think so you know what i mean <laughs> uh no um we you know we shared the vision of the movie i interpreted it i think um in a way that he had imagined it and because i very consciously tried to make my film unhip, like just <laughs> very classic. And it was it was hard for me to do that then because I was mm. into noirish shooting, longer lenses, yeah. all of that kind of mood stuff. And when I came to this, I really understood it would not be appropriate to tell this story with those lenses, those colors, that kind mm. of of tone. And so once I was there, it was a, it was a discipline for me that I embraced. I mean, considering it was a Warner Brothers film, was this the first option and only option that you considered to you know for the street for their house, or did you look at other backlot studios? Do you remember? I don't remember. It's very possible yeah. we, we looked. Uh, you know, we probably looked at Universal at the yeah. time. Um, I don't think we looked at Fox. They didn't have anything like this a yeah. little bit. Um, but it, this was perfect. In that oral history of the movie in Rolling Stone, I think from a few years ago, Chevy talks about how when you guys got here, it was like right after Lethal Weapon 2 and the toilet was still like on the... Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Really? Was the house still like it had an explosion yeah, in the yeah, window over here? There, were, there was yeah, a hole in the yeah, window and yeah. the toilet was out on the, out in the street? Yeah, yeah. It was, it oh was my God. around that time. And, and of course, you had the benefit here of this pool, right? Which is right yeah, here. Exactly. <laughs> you know? I mean... How good is that, right, for the pool? It was convenient. <laughs> Another iconic uh, yeah. uh, scene in the in the movie. You shot in the summer, right? You shot to so yeah. it was hot here. I, I or was it or was it? It was like, hot. We did a lot of nights. Remember, right? There um, are a lot of nights. Yeah. So it was very pleasant. I, you know, my recollection. It was it was nice. And we, I have to get the time of year because we were. It probably. God, I wish I remember the exact time. Because we did shoot 10 days on location in Colorado where we right. did get a lot of snow. So that must have been late winter, early winter. I don't I don't know. You could probably... Mm. I thought I saw something that out. it was being shot. At least you were here something like it was warm. July or something. It was warm. That's yeah. what I do remember. Yeah. 
you did mention in the DVD commentary, if I recall, that you were worried about the fact that you couldn't see people's breath, though. Is that is yeah, that right? I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you think that's something, if you did the movie today, you'd put in digitally? Probably. <laughs> At great expense. <laughs> right. And I would argue with the studio about it. It's uh, good enough for James Cameron. Why isn't it good yeah, enough for Yeah, we got to get it for... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned it early on, but how was all the snow created here? And I think especially Angelinos are very interested in fake snow. Well, for the uh, distant visuals, you know, you could just use white, what they call snow blankets. They're just huge white rolls of... Yeah. Look like fluffy cotton with a little sparkle on them. Uh, for medium ground, we would use... It was an object that felt non-toxic and it would have to be redressed because it just pulverized kind of a paper hmm. product. Um, for, I mean, for flurries, often you'd use uh, feathers and uh, particulates. And then for uh, slush, we would use ground marble dust and water. That's what I recall. Do you recall how long it took to get this street to be camera ready with oh, all that? Oh, it's probably a couple of months. Yeah, I mean, the detail here is amazing. I mean, the reflective surfaces, you know, from ice, the yeah. icicles, I mean, the detail uh, on these a houses. Of, a lot of work. Went it's amazing. It, yeah. Did you shoot inside the house? Are those uh, are those ground levels? No, we never shot inside you never the shot house. Them. We shot, I mean, I put the camera in there for certain yeah. uh, reverses. Because that staircase in there looks we, just we, like the one in yeah, the film. Yeah, I mean, those, those are for distant uh, visuals when the door opens and whatnot. But generally, we we duplicated yeah. uh, sections of the front on stage. And then, of course, the all the interiors were built Because that's I was lot. just saying, when we went in there, we took a look inside there. And that staircase, how it's got sort of a curve to it, mm -hmm. looks like exactly the one when the squirrel is chasing them so i was wondering if that was actually it but you no, recreated no, it was that just, on the... it was just for any background visuals when the door opens you know out of focus yeah. so it feels connected and i do just want to tell people that are listening it's really cool because warner brothers has this very cool thing with a google street view where you can actually come in here and some of these houses that are practical locations you can go on google street view into the house it's really it's really cool they have it here and for the main lot so if you want to check out what this house looks like today, you can you can do that. Were you going back and forth a lot between the stage and and did you shoot over on the main lot for the interiors? Yeah. Did yeah. you did you end up going back and forth? Was that the schedule? Did you do a lot of the exteriors and then and then do interiors? I'm just curious how. You know, I I really don't remember uh, the schedule, but it would seem to me that once we were here, we stayed here, um, unless there was. Um, a reason to kind of move off and that would be uh, putting up of the lights and those kinds of of kind of bigger dressing that may have taken several days to do so w i may have shot here and yeah. again i my recollection is poor but but no um, it's, your recollection is great <laughs> but great. when i you know we would shoot here and then if they had to redress the the house with lights well the lights right then the we would move uh to the lot did the actors see what the house looked like? Like, did they see the lit up house before you shot it, or was it you? So you held that off. No, they didn't see it. They didn't see it. Well, neither so did I. You didn't see it. I mean, so we knew what, what it was going to be. So you never saw it until 
Well, lit not up the until... moment of, but you know, I probably right. several days before we tested it and made sure. It How was about the work. actors? No, I don't believe they yeah. said any reason to see it. Yeah, I'm just wondering because it seems like a great moment to yeah. possibly get them, you know, to actually have like really true reactions to seeing this. Well, house, I think those reactions are pretty. No, they are. They real. are. I'm just wondering if it was maybe the first time they actually ever saw it. Is that when the film, it's when the camera was rolling? That was you know? the first time. Yeah, I, I know. I didn't want them to see it before. Where did you shoot the eight millimeter films that he's watching in the attic? Uh, those are. Around here on Around this lot? Around here, on the, yeah, on this part of the lot. Oh, cool. Here's something, and this is maybe just more of a little bit of trivia, but I'm wondering if it, if it was done on purpose about the house's address um, with the numbers adding up to 12 and how that's the 12 days of Christmas. First time I'm hearing Okay. It. Well, there you go. There you go. You know, and that, the first time I saw it was yesterday <laughs> after seeing the movie, you know, <laughs> dozens and dozens of times. For conspiracy theorists. It's 1236 for everybody wondering. That's the address of the, the Griswold house. Do you think the house and the street come across as characters themselves in the movie? I think they do, yeah. They certainly do now. In other words, given the you know hindsight and how people have kind of taken it upon themselves to create an iconography of a lot of things around this movie. Um, so, yes, I think it... The, the, I think the, the plainness of it, shall we say, the typical aspect of it, the fact that it doesn't really stand out makes it stand out. Until the lights get. Until the <laughs> lights of course, are on, you know, yes. right? Until, until the lights, you know. When you were making it, I mean, did you get the feeling that there was something really special going on? Because I really feel like it's like lightning in a bottle, this movie. I mean, so many great talents. And it's withstood the test of time. Did you get the sense you were doing a class? What could be something classic? I did not get the feeling that I was doing it. Yeah, but I did have the intention of trying to make it so. In other words, the gift that this movie has given to me is its longevity. But I, I can't take a you know, ownership of it only in terms of history doesn't allow one to predict these things. Again, it was the third movie of a series. Yeah. It was, you know, a broad comedy, um, et cetera, et cetera. And all I tried to do is, is make decisions that wouldn't date it. And yeah. that's what I tried to do. Uh, the fact that History has been kind to it, is a, a gift, you know, and i um, happy about that. But I, I, I would say it's very difficult to predict how these things could work. Now, you said you, you tried to make the decisions that wouldn't date it. What sorts of things could have happened here that would have set it at a certain time that you decided not to do? You know, things like wardrobe choices. I could have gotten a little more, you know... 80s for it, yeah. early 80s, especially since we shot it in the late 80s, but this family would have been... Yeah, right. You always have to 80s. kind of take into account that even though it's being shot at a certain time, people are still wearing things and using things from yeah. the previous... Not, not everybody, everybody has a brand new car. A brand new car, right. right. Um, so there's that. Just the, you know, the design and color palette of the film, uh, the score by Angelo Bedlamente. Yeah. 
the relationships between the people, the cutting patterns also really have a lot to do with what is considered current or or not, how you light. You know, for a while, early 80s, backlight everything, right? Um, Not that I'm against backlight. I'm just saying that that would trigger, uh, oh, yeah, that was done when... But just to give it a, a um, I want to call it a, 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 a normalcy, um, a heightened ordinariness, yeah. um, but <laughs> tweaked. Well, Clark Griswold's kind of a, a unique individual, so yeah. it's a, it, you know it has his has his stamp, I, I think, on it. Now you mentioned Angelo Badlamenti, and I'm, I was going to ask you about him because I think we generally associate him with more dramatic darker especially you look at the david lynch um yeah, you know yeah, yeah. association so what was it like working with with angelo on right. this yeah terrific i mean I, I i hired him because it was a counterintuitive choice mm-hmm. and so I, I just thought that he would really take to it jerry greenberg who cut this movie i mean you look at his IMDb, nothing even close to this kind of film. <laughs> Dramatic, major, brilliant editor. I, and, and that's true of me, too. I was a counterintuitive choice. And so you come to it with not only the kind of ground floor vision of what the film needs to be at any one moment, but a certain 10,000-foot view, partially a sense of looking at it through both cynical and celebratory eyes. I mean, at the same time. And and that, that gives it a little bit of a edge, maybe. Yep, I don't know. Absolutely. You shot the department store at the Bullock's Wil- Wilshire building, I yeah. think, um, on uh-huh. Wilshire Boulevard. Yeah. Do you remember did, what it was about that place that you liked? And did you look at actual department stores? You can't you shoot in an actual department yeah. store, <laughs> yeah, that would not be yeah fiscally responsible. <laughs> the I mean, what was it about that place that you like? I mean, it's got such an Art Deco. Yeah, I think, that's a look, great you know? classic location. I mean, it was you know I had shot there I think several times uh, doing commercials, so I, I was familiar with it. Um, it's just one of those perfect studio department stores right. that you know is available and here in LA so it was, it was just a perfect place to work you went to Breckenridge for the Breckenridge Colorado for the outdoor uh snow yeah. for the for the opening of the film the sledding mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and I mean I understand there was some issues with the snow like there wasn't <laughs> snow yeah we <laughs> like we chose Breckenridge because we did all of this very very um, high velocity <laughs> experimental research and where and who would have the most snow at this time of year. <laughs> of course, we get there. There is no snow, and uh, we really sweated it. It was really really bad until uh, we decided. Well, we're just going to have to ship snow in. Oh my god! So we got a lot of. Suppliers, yeah, in big eighteen-wheelers, started the convoy up to Breckenridge, bringing snow to Breckenridge, right? <laughs> coals to Newcastle, and as they were on the road, it started to snow. It was a few days before we really needed it, and it's 
kept snowing and then it kept snowing and it snowed for days and days and feet and it was there was so much snow that it became the opposite problem we were absolutely um snowed in uh, which was great for the movie right but very difficult for production but um that was fine with me well it looks great that was I mean, fine it looks, with me. it looks I great was, was the was the thing with the with the station wagon under the the lumber truck? I mean, was that somebody really just driving? I mean, yes, Vic Zyker. He wasn't attached to it. I mean, it was he is driving at the same speed as that. The scariest stunt that I've ever seen. I mean, that's every time I see it, I'm amazed with that. It's it, that stunt is for real. <laughs> God. Yeah, I mean, inches on both sides. But Dick Zyker is like, he's an amazing. Uh, stunt, I mean, I can't. Ben Stuntman now, I guess, coordinator, and you know. I mean, I can't imagine what the emergency plan is for that. You know, if something bad. I mean, coroner. I mean, seriously. You know, I mean, oh my gosh. Um, but these guys really. I mean, you know, they got it down to a, a, sure. a fine art. You know, as long as the truck was at exactly, you know, sixty miles an hour or whatever it is, exactly, then it was like a solid object. Oh my god! And you know. They were communicating back and forth. So they yeah. had worked it out pretty effectively. But uh, it looks pretty insane. Oh, it's amazing. The There were second units that shot in Chicago, right? The, there's yeah. all the there's yeah, all that. Just for so, a couple of days, I think. Do you remember what some of your direction was in terms yeah, of what bring, to get? Just bring us back some, some uh, Christmassy downtown Chicago feel. That's it. So it was at a time. When did the film come out? What day? What, what, it was, came out in '89 in uh, November. In November. So, at what point would there have been snow and enough like winter look there for you to shoot the second unit stuff and still get oh, it, it into the film? Year, probably a year before. Or, yeah. Oh, a year before. Oh, must have been. Yeah. So you shot this though? Like was I, it, I think I started prep in January. Yes, I did. I started. Oh, so prep you shot in the, January. You shot the second unit stuff before you shot anything, any yeah. of the stuff here yeah, in Burbank. So that was assume, early. Yeah. Got it. That okay. Make, that would make sense. Um, I, that, again, okay. uh, you know, if you look at the production reports, you can go like, I don't know what that director was talking about, but this wasn't it. But that's my <laughs> my understanding. Certainly, how I would do it today. I, I, I don't. You know. Yeah. I also read that. The theme song, was it produced by Prince? Did you ever have anything to do no, with him? Not you directly, never... but but uh, it was all orchestrated uh, through Warner's, Warner's music. Yeah. And, uh, you know. What were your thoughts of that song when you heard it the first oh, time? I loved it. It's a great that. theme song. I loved it. Love that song. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. In that interview I, I saw of you, you mentioned how, I don't know, do you still teach? Do you still teach a little bit? You Rarely, because I'm on the road so much. Right. Directing, but. In the past, I mean, have students known that this is your movie, and and has there what what have any you know reactions been to that, or do they do you, is that does that not come up well, at all? Well, I, I, you walk into a class, they've IMDb'd you to yeah. death. They know more about you than you do about right. yourself. So yeah, they know. Um, you know, it's always interesting <laughs> this particular film since uh, it, you know there are generations of fans now. You know, probably oh, yeah. three, and and uh, they know the words, and they know the, you know, all of the little idiosyncratic moments that exist within it. So, you know, it's it's uh, it it's it's a nice feeling, I guess. Yeah. Is there something you're particularly proud of in the film, whether 
it's a tone or a scene or is there something that really stands out to you? Um, there are a lot of moments in the film that, you know, I, I, I embrace, but I, you know, I, I think the moment where Chevy plugs the lights in and they don't work is, yeah, which is not a funny scene, um, is, I think that moment is the moment that connects best with audiences, certainly connected with me, uh, because the entire movie hinges around his disappointment. And I always felt if the audience felt it at that moment, that the movie could be successful. Um, so there was a lot of attention in terms of the nuance of that scene. And then, you know, the, I think the scene of him watching himself in the attic is also a beautiful scene. And, you know, it's funny because what am I saying? I'm, I'm really talking about scenes that are not comedic. Those help the comedy. They drive the comedy. You know, there's a lot of funny little jokes that I like. You know, Randy at that curb. Oh, the curb right here. You know, is funny. <laughs> they, you know, the pulling up of the RV into this driveway was yeah. pretty funny. Um, but the the moments that I really recall are the ones that I just mentioned. But you're right. Th those, those serious moments really do... Um, make an impact when the comedy happens you know for instance that attic and he's sitting there watching and then she opens the attic door and he falls out of it mm -hmm. i mean that's exactly that's exactly it um yeah i mean it, it this is all classic stuff right the tragedy and the comedy existing right. um as a unity and um you know uh, it's funny i rarely get asked to direct comedy now and, you know, I think I'm more known for drama and, and uh, you know, I miss the moments of comedy that have the dramatic, tragic built into mm. them. I really miss directing those. But I, you know, I haven't seen it. Do you watch the film when it's on TV? No. You I, don't watch it? <laughs> the last time I saw the film in its entirety, was, there was a screening at the uh, Egyptian at the American Cinematheque. Oh, yeah. Um, and I hadn't seen it since the day it was released. Wow. And I, I went, and there was a Q&A afterwards, and it was a fabulous house because it was people my age, children's age, grandchildren's I mean, it was amazing. But I got to watch the movie probably for the first time objectively, or somewhat objectively. Because remember, every single scene, every single take, I go like, I know what I was feeling. I know what <laughs> right. it brings up. I know who was bickering just before I said action. Uh, you know what I mean? All of that drama uh, and all of that um, kind of craziness that was going on, both happy and <laughs> tormenting, um, when one is making a film. It was a you know, big, long burden. Um but I got to see it, and I thought, oh, you know, this is a pretty funny movie. And uh, I watched the whole thing and, and was able to take it in. But it took, like, 
20 years. I don't usually go and watch my movies afterwards, though. Though if it's on, I'll watch a few scenes. Well, I'm just wondering because obviously it's on every year. You know what I mean? I mean, this is like, and I can watch it every year. I mean, there's no doubt. Yeah, I, you know, I would, watching it on a big screen was really, really fun. And, uh, you know, I do have a Blu-ray of it, which I threatened to screen for friends and family now uh, together and just see how that plays but i haven't yeah. i haven't had the courage yet yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it brings back great memories I, I, just being here the feeling is really really warm i think the the, the most fun i had making it w- was the time that i spent in this particular neighborhood shooting those scenes you know whether it was with uh, Julia oh, Louis yes. and whether it was the scene we were just talking about lighting up the house all of the you know uh falling off the roof carrying out the big ball of lights there's so much fun stuff that happened in this particular yes area even the swimming pool stuff right. which was just right across the street that really brings back a lot of very, very warm uh, memories and, you know, rem- reminded me of, you know, how much I appreciated um, getting my first movie and being able to do it. So, you know, and I I approach my work now very much the same way. I mean, I always feel every gig I get is going to be the very last thing anyone will ever hire me to do. And yet I also come to it with an attitude of remembering what it's like to walk on a set and it's your first experience. And I try to hold both of those um, in my head at the same time whenever I walk onto a set. So I'm appreciative and yet I can bring some skill to it now, you know, that I may not have had then. I was working more on instinct, though I did prep it to death. I mean, I storyboarded the hell out of this. (laughs) starting to get dark out here you know um and i'll just tell you everybody who's listening that you know while the warner brothers ranch and unfortunately it's not open to the public uh to come and see these places but check it out on google it's actually very cool but you can check out all the cool sets over on the main lot taking the tour there it's really cool you can get tickets at wbstudiotour.com it's always changing depending on what's being shot on that given day you know remember to follow us on facebook at on location with jared cowan on twitter at on location pc and on instagram at on location podcast and i want to thank my guest jeremiah chechik for coming uh and happy holidays to everybody and joining us on location see you in the new year I